You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Here we are in the new year. Hopefully you're ready for some great God-working stuff this year, right? Anybody in with that? You guys ready for it or no? No? I believe, and I hope you do too, that this could be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, year here at TCAR yet. And I hope you believe that too, that it's possible. We've got to start somewhere, right? Uh, could be true, but won't happen for those who don't believe and engage and follow God where He's leading us. That's We kind of have to be obedient to that, right? In order for that to happen. So there has to be an amount of faith there to say, we believe God can do it. And today, again, is pointing us to a part of our Christian lives that we have to engage in if we want to see God work in a great way in us and see this happen. You hear me talk often about how God's given us guidelines for our lives. You know, I use the soccer goal thing sometimes. Craig Rochelle heard him talk about one time that was really good about the soccer goal. And, you know, there's God's divine... Um, it's there's there's certain things that's just his I'm trying to think of the word. Um, it's just his will is just going to happen, okay? And so there's certain things like Jesus dying on the cross. There's there's uh, how end times are going to play out. Even though we all think we've got it figured out, we none of us probably do. Um, there's certain things that he just says these are these things are going to happen. His providential will. That's what I'm looking for. There's his providential will. So that's one goalpost. And the other goalpost is his moral will. There's certain things that he just says, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Okay? And so there's his moral. And within that, in that goalpost is the goal is his personal will for your life. And so there's certain things that he says, here's commandments, here's things to do and not do, and here's how life works best. And if you do it that way, then you'll you'll hit my personal will for your life because we're all really focused on that uh, personal will for our lives. And I would just say this, and it's a lot of what I used to teach students when I was in student ministry and a big emphasis when I still talk to them is because we go through life and from the time we're little all through school, we start when we're little, people asking us things like, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? And we never end up being actually that what we started with when we were little. Very few of us do, if you do, right? And so, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then we get into middle school, high school, and we get these things called guidance counselors, right? And there's, and, and all the guidance is in career and, and the, what you're going to do. So our lives become revolved around and our identity for a big part becomes what we do for a living. As though that's that's the big deal about life. But I would say what we're going to talk about today out of Mark chapter 12, if we can get that part right, everything else will work out. Like it's more about who God is having you, asking you to be. And if we would just, what it boils down to, I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler. If we just love God and love people, all the rest of that stuff will work out. He'll work out the rest of our lives if we'll just be the person he's, we're supposed to be, right? And I've heard many people talk about it of different ways of explaining that, but 
so often we're so concerned about what am I become, what, what am I going to do with my life? Well, if you'll just be who God made you to be, then what you're supposed to do with your life will work out, right? And so God has given us these guidelines to, to make our lives blessable. Now, I want to be careful in how I say that because there's so much humanism in our teaching in churches these days and, and it's about you and making your life better and God wants to bless you. And But yet, you know, our teaching here, understanding we get blessed so we can bless others. God's wanting to use us to impact other people for His glory. It's really all about God, right? So our in our blessings and even in having abundant life even now is not about comfort. It's about how God can use us for His glory and to bring more people to Christ, okay? That's a blessed life. That's the ultimate goal. So the thing is, is if we stay in 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 those areas, in those guidelines where God can make, our, where our lives can be blessable, we get really get to see Him work. Again, not prosperity gospel, not humanism, but a gospel that says if we follow then we have the opportunity to see God at work in our lives around us in deeply spiritual ways. I've had this conversation with people even recently. You know, if you want your finances to be blessable by God, if you believe in the scripture that says, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour it out like, you know, all this blessing on you because you are generous and you give and tithe like you're supposed to. And That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to turn around and get rich. It's not Hey, if you give the church $100, you're going to get 1000 back somewhere. Because if that worked, none of us would have any problems, right? Um, if anybody ever calls you and does that, just say, hey, I'd rather bless you. Won't you send me the 100 and God will send you a 1000 okay? Instead of them trying to talk you into it, right? So if you believe that, well, then let, let's do this the other way, right? But if you want to make your finances blessable, then you do things like Scripture says, we're to pay our taxes. Give unto Caesar what Caesar's. Jesus himself said we're supposed to do that, right? So if you cheat on your taxes and you don't manage your finances well, the way scriptures line out and say that we should manage, you know, then God sits back and goes, I can't help you, right? Like it's not, it's not blessable. Or, or if we want a marriage, our marriage to be blessable, then we do it God's way. No affairs, no adultery, you know, even thinking about your future marriage, premarital sex, treat others, uh, each other as fellow heirs of the grace of God, right? Scripture actually speaks to men on that one and says, hey, guys, you need to treat your wife like a fellow heir of the grace of God so that your prayers may not be hindered, right? Your prayers can be hindered if you don't treat your wife like a sister in Christ, right? And so, so I have to do that if I want my marriage to be everything God made it to be, right? understand the roles of husband and wife and love and respect and all those things as Ephesians 5 lays out if you want your marriage to be blessed, right? If you want work to be bless, blessable, then you work hard. You be the best employee you can be at that job, not just get by. I'm going to do as little as I can. No, if people know you're a Christian, then you should be the guy that they're going, man, he works hard, he helps everybody. He, 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 he's thankful for his job, respects his job and the people around him. And you treat that job fairly. If you want to be treated fairly and have your work be blessful. You want the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Then you do it God's way. Come to church. You, you know, worship. We'll talk about that. About 
gathering in temple courts and house to house. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but small groups and, and fellowship, and fellowship is more than just hanging out, having some coffee together, right? Although that can be a great foundation for real fellowship, okay? The coffee part, I agree with, okay? Love God and, and others, grace, truth, follow the leaders in the church, serve. There's all kinds of stuff that you go, if you want your spiritual life, you want your this thing to work, the, the church to work the way God has set it out, then and it to be blessable, then we stay in his guidelines and do it his way. But remember, it's not about you. We want our lives to be blessable so that the Holy Spirit can work in us and through us for his glory to see other people know him. So now, before we dive deeper into this idea, I want you to get in your mind as we go into Mark 12, starting in verse 28, this biblical concept of us being made in God's image. Okay? Because when we understand that, it helps us understand why God lays out these guidelines that he does. And I know that sounds simple to you, right? A lot of us go, I've heard that from, from the time I was an infant Christian. You know, we're made in God's image. I understand that, okay? But you do you understand you are more important and valuable than all the rest of creation to God? Because okay, you're made in his image. Nothing else is in creation is made in God's image. Okay? Now, I we used to have a dog. Her name was Bailey. And this is where I'm going to get in trouble with some people. But I just need to correct them theologically. It's okay. I miss my dog, Bailey. Bailey was the sweetest little beagle ever. We had her for 14 years or so. And then she got sick. And we had to put her down. It was It was difficult. And I loved that dog. Okay, but when it comes to understanding the value in creation, if there was ever a choice between Bailey and any other human being on earth, Bailey would just lose. Okay, because as much as I love my dog, she was not as valuable as another human being because of how God has made creation. Now, that, that doesn't mean I should be cruel or I should abuse or take advantage of or not treat any other part of creation, an animal, you know, our pets or anything, that I should be cruel to any of them. I should not. I should, it's a blessing to have a pet like that. So you, you're thankful and you treat God's creation the way you're supposed to. But in the grand scheme of things, Bailey wasn't made in God's image. Okay? So she would lose every time. And so, it, it, it it's why I don't, it's why I make fun of those sad commercials. Y'all know I do that every now and then of the, they put the dogs on there and they're all shaking and everything and there's this sad music playing in the background and they're trying to get you to send all this money in, right? Okay? It's why I don't, that's why I, I don't give to those sad commercials about abused animals in need. I would rather give my money to the local church and ministries that help humans, Okay? and especially the church that changes human hearts because when you change human hearts, then people start to take care of animals the way they're supposed to, and we don't need those other things like the Humane Society. Okay? Now, we it's a broken, cursed world. Not everybody's going to be understand their, what God made them to do, so I understand there's always going to be that issue until Christ returns, right? Till the end of time. So, those things exist. I'm not saying they're wrong or they're bad. 
Okay, it's people trying to take care of creation. I understand that. But I would rather do all I can to change human beings first. Okay, that, that's just my emphasis. Okay, because again, the solution is changing human hearts and only God can do that. So, so even, don't, you guys know I say this often too, it's, it, better government won't solve everything better health care, better school systems. But if we had people whose hearts had been changed by God, then if they were in those positions and in those things, then that changes and, and it would make government, health care, school systems, all those things better. Okay? So I, I, I approach it more of, I'd rather tackle the problem in our community of changing the human heart, like being an ambassador for God doing that, not that you can't be a Christian and be in those roles, because that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to is to be people loving God, loving others the way we're supposed to, so that things work the way they should. Okay. I hope that makes sense to you. But hopefully, what you're not hearing is it doesn't matter if I'm in government or in healthcare or in education. It's not devaluing your your profession. I'm just saying. Loving God, loving people changes a lot more than anything, even my role, okay? So, we as created in the image of God have the capacity for God to work through us in a, in a unique, unique way. And the only way, okay? Listen, the only way we can realize the purpose of, for why we exist is through a community of people in a relationship the way God has told us to be as a loving church. That's the only way you're going to ever fully realize the purpose you were made for. It's the way God has designed it. The New Testament is full of it. Okay, It's really what he was doing in the Old Testament as well as creating for himself a people in relationship created in him, his image. God himself is relational in nature, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where you got the Trinity, three persons in one. He exists in community and therefore as the body of Christ, we are to live in community as well. Okay? So the only way we can accomplish the Christian life as we should, the only way we can be who God made us to be and do the things God made us to do is in a re right relationship with him and a right relationship with one another. It's why God... I believe, made the local church, okay? The bride of Christ. It's why from the beginning, God made a people for himself, okay? And we have to clarify that because not everyone is God's people. We live in a culture today that every politician or everybody gives a speech or something, ha oh, they're all God's children. We're all God's children. That That is not a biblical statement. The world likes to think that, makes them feel better, right? But not everybody is God's children. Everyone has God as their creator, but not everyone has God as their father. The Bible's clear about that. We're not all children of God today on this earth. It, it's unbiblical thinking that irks me when people, politicians especially, say that. Okay, We're all created by him, but not all of us have submitted to ourselves to him as our father in heaven and our children of God. God gives specific descriptions it's really cool when you when you look through the bible and you recognize certain things 
you read the Bible slowly, analyze the words, what they mean, all that stuff, God gives specific descriptions and titles to people, to those who are his people. Like if you look back through scripture, even in the Old Testament, these names and descriptions are not for all people on the earth. Okay? So he calls those who are his in the Bible, he'll refer to them as God's friends, the sons and daughters of God, priests, God's assembly, the people of God, the bride of Christ, servants of God, citizens of God's kingdom, his flock, you'll hear him refer to, okay? And that people are summed up by the commandment that sits over all other commandments, okay? The one thing we have that we've got to be tracking with for fullness of life in Christ to please God is is seen in Mark 12. We're back in our series in Mark. We're in chapter 12. Part 20, you know, it's amazing. I love it, okay? We're going to get through, there's 16 chapters. We'll be through this in the next few weeks and then on to something else. But Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34 is what we're going to read today. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing. Remember, we've been through this part where person after person, Pharisee, Sadducee, uh, Pharisees with the Herodians, there's been all kinds of people come after Jesus trying to, trip him up and catch him um, in a contradictory statement to try to just trying to trap him to, to convince people he's not who he says he is right so here we are again so one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well asked him what commandment is the foremost of all Jesus answered the foremost is hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord, and that comes back, that's a foundation for the Trinity, right? And, and if you remember, this is something that Jews even today will say every day when they get up. It's called the Shema, right? It's their saying, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay? This is what God wants us to do more than anything, more than our careers. That's why I said all that. More than worrying about government and politics and health care. And above everything else, God says, this is the overriding principle over all that that you do, whether you are a doctor or lawyer or teacher or a police officer, whatever it is you do, pastor, whatever it is you do, over top of all of that, uh, even your role in life as a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, or whatever role you have, the thing that overrides all of it is this commandment, that you love God and love other people. If you'll do that, then the rest of it will take care of itself. God is giving us the opportunity to know Him and experience life, real life, good life, the way He intended in a right relationship with Him in a right relationship with each other. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So who's your neighbor? I love, there's a pastor I listen to often, he, he would just say, yes. Who's your neighbor? Yeah. Is my neighbor the guy down the road or the guy living next door? Yeah. A right, whoever you encounter, the answer is yes. That's your neighbor. 
a right relationship with God, and, and just as ingrained in us is a right relationship with each other. It, it's, it's why the, the devil has increasingly turned our culture and our lives into backdoor communities instead of what used to be front porch communities. Now it's back porch, right? We, now we like our fire pits and all that stuff and privacy fences and all that in the backyard where we can have our privacy and nobody else bother us, whereas the world used to be. Anybody remember it used to be a front porch world, right? Anybody? I'm actually old enough to remember some of that, right? I'd go to my grandmother's house. I remember in Churchill would sit on the front porch and everybody was just on their porch and you just run up and down the street and go around the block and everybody just hung out together. Can't do that anymore safety reasons and because our culture has just has drastically changed we want we don't we only want people to know us on facebook if they know us intimately they really won't like us probably so we'll just keep them out here we only let a few people in that we feel like we can benefit from right and we we take them to the back porch not the front porch and it's just our culture has changed It'd be really interesting. I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I know it would be strange. You know, put that big outdoor kitchen and fire pit and all that in your front yard, right? And just let whoever wants to walk up just hang out, right? But you, we're 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 more Facebook, Twitter people than we are face to face people anymore. So you can't walk in the relationships God wants you to walk in when things are that way. Jesus would say, if you are loving God and loving people the way you should, then you're obeying every other commandment. It makes it easy to obey all those. So it's like, what's your, anybody in here have teenagers? Like I've entered that area of teenagers, right? Or you were a teenager, so you understand this. Teenagers do everything in their power to make space to hang out with their friends. Do they not? Right? I mean, to be face-to-face. Now, when they're face-to-face, they may still be on their device, right? But they still want to be in proximity of each other. Okay? At least they're on Facebook together, like in the same room, I guess. I don't know. But it, it, they, they, would, they, they would do what it took to make space in their life to be with their friends and hang out together. Yet we get old and crusty and we just don't have time for that anymore, right? We were that way once. Why can't it be that way again? Because it, it's really what forms the type of relationships that God says we should have. Okay? So it goes on in verse 30, 32. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, and I love, if you pay attention like even how people address Jesus says a lot about what they believe, right? So he calls him teacher. Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one another and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. When we don't live this way, but but only give a nod to, we say, yeah, I walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, got saved, did the IQ test, you know, heaven or hell, 
if that's the way it works out, I'll take heaven. Hell don't sound like a whole lot of fun the way you describe it. So I'll pray your prayer, and now I'm saved. Baptize me. I'm good. Okay, go back to living my life. However, that that's I know that's Granger County. That's Southern Baptist Bible Belt IQ test. Okay, that people think gets them to heaven, and it doesn't. Okay, but when we just do this, when we when we do that. And just give a nod to, yeah, that's right, love God and love people, going about my life. And, and when we just give a nod to that, and, we, and, and we're supposed to love God and love others, but then don't actually live that way, it, we are saying, Jesus, you're a good teacher. We're addressing him that way. We're not addressing him as Lord, right? We're going, Jesus, you're a good teacher, and that's right. And Jesus looks back at us and goes, well, you're pretty smart. And you're not far from the kingdom of God. That's a scary thing to think, isn't it? He would say, but it takes more than your acknowledgement to be a part of the kingdom of God. You have to actually act on what you say you believe. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to us? I mean, let me put it another way, reverse it a little. Jesus looks back at you and says, you're pretty smart. And, but you're not a part of the kingdom of God. Unless you do relationships with me and others the way I say you should do them. It's not enough just to agree with it and not saying that our actions get us saved, but if we are truly saved, then we'd go, Jesus is Lord, he says to do it that way, then I'm going to live that way. Instead of, well, it's all grace, so it's optional. It's not so does sin abound because grace abounds? No. Scripture says all the more it should be the other way because we understand grace and what He's done for us and freely given us, all the more we should want to turn from sin and do the things the way God says we should do them. It's why the New Testament is full of how to do church and what we are to be a part of and how to interact together as the local church. God designed us to be a part of the local church. Like for years, I would walk around. I had, I had no way understanding biblically how to defend it, but I'd go to, you know, do the knocking on doors and visiting people. And they would say, I don't read my Bible. It says I can go out here on the lake and worship God while I'm fishing. Can I not do that? Well, yeah, you can worship God while you're fishing. But you can't do the Christian life if you never go to church. Okay, if you And people go, what are you just saying? I have to do organized religion. I, you know, you hear all that. I don't care about organized religion, really. I just care about following Jesus and the way he said we're supposed to live life and what we're supposed to do together as the people of God, as his children, and trying to reach our community and, and live this life together. Because we're made in his image where he dwells in community and relationship, and we should too. And so there's ways he said do that. You can't go through the 59 one another's. You can't do any of those if you're not in a community of believers. Okay? And that's what the church is. It's not about T-Car. It's not about any of these churches up and down the road. It's about us living together as a community of believers, doing these things that God says we'll do. You can't do these things if you don't do this. And you can't actually do it here this morning the way that God really wants us to. That's why small groups are so important. Push, push, right? It's why the New Testament church is full of how to do this and, and, and what the... 59 one another's are. God designed us to be a part of the local church, not just belong to one, not just to be a member 
on a piece of paper, not just attend the Sunday service when we want to, but that we belong to a community of faith. We serve together. We reach our community together. We build up each other, even bother each other. Okay? I'll say it that way. Listen, get under each other's skin. Like that's part of God's plan for us. Is that I get on your nerves, probably am right now, right? Is that I get on your nerves, you get on my nerves, and we work through that, and the sanctification process happens, and we come out better people on the other side if we submit to the way God says we're to handle all that. And so we grow in our faith. Do you, do you know that that's part of my role? Like this make you hopefully it'll make you feel better. Those who work closely with me in the church, right? I mean, it's it's part of God's plan that I get under your skin. Okay, me making you bothered and me making you mad is part of God's design. Vice versa. Now, how we handle that is what makes all that work well. I wanted to use the word mad, but that's not that's too much growth for me. Okay. We'll say bothered and under understand, okay? In our sinful bothering of one another, we will be sanctified and made more holy as we reflect the gospel of grace and forgiveness to each other. Right? You love that about it as much as I do, right? But it's true. Okay? Let me read you the one another's of Scripture, and you tell me how you can do this just attending or just going to church but not belonging and engaging in, in all that it is. And I'm going to hit you with small groups at the end, but also talk to you about having some people in your life that are even closer. Okay? This is important. Okay? Love one another. That's a simple one. We got that covered, right? Serve one another. Accept one another. Strengthen one another. Help one another. Encourage one another. Care for one another. Forgive one another. That, it's a tough one because that comes later with confess your sins to one another. Okay, We don't like to do that, do we? Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Commit to one another. Build trust with one another. How, how do you build trust with somebody that you don't ever, like you just see them here on Sunday morning, right? How do you do that in a community of people? To build trust with somebody, you've got to get close enough to them that they could actually betray you. I'm not saying they do, but if you don't ever let them get that close, you can't ever build trust. You, you build trust because people keep coming through for you, which means you're close enough to them for you to need to trust them with something. And they come through and being trustworthy. Maybe occasionally mess up, but that's where the forgiveness and all that stuff comes in, right? That means these things cannot be worked out in attendance on the weekend in a room like this, right? To simply go, to simply come and sit and hear a sermon is not the fullness of what God has for you in Christ. My role, my preaching this morning is just a small part of what makes all of this work. Yes, teaching in the temple courts, that's a lot of what they went to the temple courts for to hear the apostles teaching. That's a lot, that's the early church did that. That's what we're supposed to do. But this is just a part. So you're just getting a little bit of what you're supposed to have in your Christian life if this is the only part you take part in. Okay? Today is not the whole deal. It's just not. People go, well, I went to church Sunday. Well, you, you got a little bit of it. 
Be devoted to one another. Be patient with one another. Amen? Be interested in one another. Be accountable to one another. Ouch. Right? Confess to one another. I'm glad it said forgive one another up there first before we got to the confess to one another, right? Live in harmony with one another. Do not pass judgment on one another. Do not slander one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Admonish one another. You can leave out the holy kiss on the greet one another, okay? Admonish one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Meet with one another. Agree with one another. Be concerned for one another. Be humbled to one another in love. Be compassionate to one another. How do you be compassionate to somebody if you don't know their story? If you don't know who they are, what they've been through? Right? you got to get to know people. If you don't know people's story and they do that thing they do, then you just get aggravated and mad and it pushes you away, right? But if you know their story and they do that, you go, I know why they're doing that. And they need this right now from me. Right? God's put me here because I know their story and God's brought me in to help them by providing this for them in these moments. Do not anger one another. I've probably done some of that to some of you, maybe even this morning. Do not lie to one another. Do not grumble to one another. I love in Philippians 2 where it gets down to like verse 14, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Give preference to one another. Be at peace with each other. Be of the same mind to one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another. Live in peace with one another. Carry one another's burdens. Again, these, these one another's are impossible. It's impossible to do that if you simply even just go to church on Sunday morning then rather than get involved and belong to one. In fact, the very idea of belonging to a church is to operate within these one another's imperfectly, but seriously trying, right? This is where we're going to commit to work out the one another's is I'm going to go beyond this part. I'm going to go to the to the place of small groups and belonging and serving alongside of and, and and being involved in. And I just I'm sidetracking. I want to say this because it's I, as a parent I struggle with it. Okay, my goal honestly for my kids, as much as I love cold playing basketball, as much as I want my kids to have good jobs to do whatever. My goal as a parent is for them to love God and love other people. And if they do that, they'll be fine. Okay? And we, and, and, and we so worry about our kids to the point that we push this kind of living out. And, and here's the thing. If I don't model this as a dad, if I don't model this as, as parents, that this is what's important and we prioritize living like this, over everything else we do, 
then we fail our kids. We get to the end and go, well, they were great at this and that and had a good job and made a lot of money and did whatever and were a great sports player, were a great musician, were great whatever. They never learned to love God and love each other the way the Bible says we should. Then I failed. We have to be involved in it ourselves. And, and, and I understand, okay? A lot of people don't join a church or get involved in church usually for two reasons, and they're really the same reason. They're just approaching it differently, okay? They, they never join a church or get involved. Is One, they have figured out. This is why they don't join a church. They figured out that there are things wrong with the church. And so they don't want to get involved, right? They're like, man, church can be really messed up and they don't always do everything right. And I've been, they don't, you know, there's something wrong with the church. I don't fully agree with what they do, so I don't join, okay? Right? They go, I've been, I've been disappointed by the church, so I just am afraid to get involved. Anybody in here besides me been disappointed by the church before? Right? Okay? Been let down by the church. Thought of walking away from the church. That's why I started the church. It's because it was like I'm either going to do something or I'm going to quit altogether. Right? So, so they... But here's the thing. I'm glad there are no perfect churches. Because then I couldn't be a part of one. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if a church was perfect, as soon as I joined it, it'd be all messed up, okay? So I'm glad there are no perfect churches. We're, we're all human, sin-nature people trying to do this, and we're just trying to help each other along the way, and we're going to mess up along the way, okay? And we don't just bail as soon as we mess up one time and we get let down, right? There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect pastors, Take a little pressure off myself. Thank you, right? I'm, I'm not going to be perfect, okay? No, there are no perfect members. Take a little pressure off you guys, right? Who are members? If there were any perfect churches, then I would never have a place to belong. Neither would you. I'm going to do this God's way and not give up on the church. I would be giving up on the bride of Christ I would be walking away from the Bible to walk away from church. And I believe that the Bible is true. I would, to, I would be walking away from the bride of Christ and the Bible to walk away from church. Do you understand that? I have to understand that the Bible also says we're not perfect and sinful human beings who will wrestle with imperfection until we die or Christ returns. Okay? So you jump in there and you learn to work through the mess, learn to grow and help others grow in the mess. The second reason people don't join a church is not because they go, well, there's things wrong with the church. They don't join a church because they go, there's a bunch of stuff wrong with me. And I, I just don't think, I, I just don't want to get involved in that because I, I just, man, I just got all these things. One day I'll get straightened up and I might go to church, right? They think they're too big a mess to join a church. Well, hello, just join the mess and we'll all work it out together, right? Instead of you staying on your own and not growing and, and, and helping us learn to be more compassionate and grace-giving, that's all you'd be doing, right? 
while lovingly standing on the truth. Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Hey, we're all hypocrites to some, to some degree, right? Okay? Even people who aren't of faith who say, well, I'm just not a person of faith or whatever, they have certain things in their mind that they would go, well, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. All people have a moral compass, and nobody gets their moral compass right every time. Nobody does. Everybody's a hypocrite at some point. Because even a non-believer would probably go, well, you shouldn't lie. Well, have you ever lied? Okay. Okay, well, you're a hypocrite too. We're all in that boat together. Okay, everybody has violated their own standards. And so we're all hypocrites to some degree, but we just we just say we're we understand we're hypocrites who are just trying to help each other do better. We've decided to to get together and push each other and help each other toward doing better. That's what it is. Or you can be a hypocrite on your own trying to make yourself better. Now, so listen, you, you have to get into a small group of believers. This is I'm gonna narrow this down real quickly for time's sake. This is why small groups are so important. It's, it's where you can be around some more intense relationships because this is Rose looking at me, listening to me. There's no interaction really going on except for before, after, and before and after is just, how you doing? I'm good. We had the flu this Christmas. Yeah, we did too. Well, you know, it's, and then you have a cup of coffee and you go because some of you hang around longer, have some deeper conversations, but there's, there's not a lot of sitting down, talking for a couple hours, hanging out together, right? And so you need those relationships in your life for the one and others to be a part of your life. Jesus spent most of his time with the 12. You know, you can break it down into different layers of groups of people, larger and smaller. Even the 12, there was three that he really focused on, right? Jesus spent most of his time, though, with the 12. He, he Most of his time with the three, Peter, James, and John. Remember Mount, going up on the, the, when the Transfiguration, Mountain Transfiguration, and then when he prayed in the garden before his crucifixion, there was times he would pull the three aside and, and, and would ask them. He, he, would, he would narrow that down. This is my cl- These are the three that, that I can do this with at this level. When you talk about all 59 of those things, especially that confessing your sin to one another, forgiving one another, there's a lot of that. You, you, this year, if you don't have two or three people around you that you could sit down with and go, here it all is. You need to work toward that. Have your two or three. And people you know are going to be, they're going to speak truth to you, but they're going to give you forgiveness and grace and help you forward in your walk with Christ. Not burn you, not out you, not Seek to, man, I'm going to, look what he did. I'm going to put him down and it makes me feel better than myself. None of that. Okay? People you can trust, you get those two or three people. And, and beyond that, you need that group of 12, a small group, that you operate in so that so a lot of these one another's. And, and there's, there's space in that 12 too because I'll just be honest with you, that two or three can change over the years. Okay? So you need to be in that group of people where that, can play out if it needs to, okay? But two or three other people, same-sex people around you that you can walk closely through life with, okay? Right down to confessing sins to one another. That's a big one. 
It's why we stay trapped in our sin. There's such power in confessing to one another because of that accountability thing to one another that was in there. Because then I can say, hey, how you doing with that? You and I can put uh, stuff on our computers, on our phones, on our, to help us stay accountable in all kinds of ways. And we agree to do that with each other. So when that accountability kicks in, it changes the ball game. It's one of the ways God has designed things to be so that we can help each other. Not so that we can burn each other, so we can help each other out of it. Okay? That's always the goal. The goal is to help you out of sin, not burn you when you do it. Right? That's what the Bible says we're to do. So how, how are you doing with that small group and having those close people? I'm talking about it. We need to have friends who are non-believers because we're always trying to look to reach people and love people and show Christ to people. That two or three needs to be believers. That small group needs to be mostly believers. Maybe inviting people in your small group, say, hey, come over, we're talking about the Bible, and they may not even believe, and it's okay, right? But those ones close to you in your circle should be. So who are the group of people that you're living out the 59 one another's with? That's the question for today, right? It's always been how it's done from day one of the church, the early church, after Pentecost. You remember this? Peter gives his great speech, uh, preaches this big sermon. Holy Spirit comes. He stands out there. There's all these people. And he basically says to him, to all those people, Jesus Christ was God whom you crucified. I mean, how much harsher a sermon can you get than that? You killed God. You did that. Right? And so they sit back and they go, what, what do we do? It says they were cut to the heart. And they look back at Peter and say, so what should we do? And he says, repent, be baptized. And be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you remember that. Okay? So th this is right after that in Acts 2, verse 41. It says, so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were about 3,000, added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, which is deeper than... Talk, and that's talking about one another. So that's not talking about we had donuts and coffee together at church, right? To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Breaking of bread is more significant too. It, 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 hey, I get along with you a lot better if you feed me, okay? So I, I'm all about food. That's why in our small groups, a lot of them, they do food, okay? Things just work better over food. But this breaking of bread here and to prayer is deeper. It's talking about more of communion together in Christ, like Lord's Supper, okay? Reminding ourselves of the gospel. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with sharing them with all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. <coughs> and I love that, having favor with all the people. That's where I get that thing of if you're weird, it's not because you're a Christian, you're just weird, Okay. You don't have to be weird to be a Christian. You can be a normal human being and be who you are, your personality, just with the character of Christ. Okay? That's all that is. So then people actually go, well, that's refreshing to be around a person like that. They're so kind and graceful and nice and 
okay? Instead of just being weird or judgmental, right? Gathered in the temple courts for teaching. It talks about that in there, in, that, in that, the early church. That's what we're doing here today. Gathering in the temple courts, hearing teaching, some of those other aspects going on, but then from house to house, praying, fellowship, breaking bread, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and baptism were important, okay? Because they're ordinances of the church. Jesus said, do these things, be baptized, do the Lord's Supper, okay? So, yes, be here on Sundays. Yes, serve in the church. Yes, serve in the community. Yes, get two or three people around you with whom you meet regularly. And yes, get in a small group. Even when things aren't ideal, we press into God's way and what he says to do. Let's teach our future generations what it means to be committed to God and his church, not just go deep when it's good. That's what we have tends to do, right? But this is what you do all the time, okay? Not just stay on the fringes of church. You watch over the years and it it just, I kind of feel sad for people. They just stay on the fringes and and when it's bubbling up and it's good, they go, oh, and they get involved. And then when it kind of fizzles down a little bit, they go, oh, and they back back out a little bit. Oh, there's something bubbling over here. I'm going to go over to this church. Oh, there's something bubbling over here. I'm going to go to this church. And they never really get involved and get committed and say no matter good or bad and I'm going to tell you it's good for your kids I I am um, church plant pastor I've been here you guys know 16 years right here and you know there's been good bubbly times and there's been like light a match and burn at times right and my kids my son 13 years old has watched from my son used to live at the church, okay? There were times it would be the 3 or 4 in the morning he'd sleep on the couch, right? We're trying to get vacation Bible school done, right? It's supposed to kick off the next day, and it's just like my wife's sitting in the pews out in the Kingswood Chapel crying. I'm upstairs typing away, and Cole's on the couch asleep. At, he's 3 or 4 years old, okay? So there's been great times. There's been tough times. There's been... But, but I'll tell you one thing my kids will will know as they grow up. Just mom and dad are committed to God and the church regardless of what comes or goes. Not just when it's good, but they'll know what it means to endure, to persevere, to to be to stay where God has called you to. Okay? And 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 so it's about God's calling, not what's bubbling. Okay? I want my kids to stick to their calling and to love God and love others. And when you do that, God honors that. God God shows off in that in ways you may not see it until years down the road, but you may see it sooner. So we're going to start small groups back January 15th, okay, that week. So I'm, I'm going to ask this. If you're a small group leader or a host, have been, would you just stand up real quick for me? This is how we're going to get people connected, okay? All right? So, any of y'all sitting down, yeah, I said y'all, okay? That means you guys, so y'all can sit down, but any of you guys, those people, you can go to and say, tell me about your small group, when do y'all meet? Or you can say, when do you guys meet, right? 
when, when, when do you meet? So what time and what, how can, can I just come check it out, right? Can I just come check it out? Like just to go to one of them and say, can I come visit, right? You don't have to say, I'm joining and I'm committed for the season, right? Just go check it out. And you might go and you might go, these people are just not my thing. Like it's kind of weird. You might give them some time, okay? You get to know them. But because up front, all of us are kind of weird, right? But you might hop around, try a few small groups and go, this one's the one we're going to go with, okay? And, and you stick around and try it for a while. Try it for a season, okay? Get to know some folks. Maybe form some good relationships that will help you grow. So, or you can just come to me. Rita's a great one to go to. Did you say, I didn't see, Rita didn't stand up. Come on, Rita, stand up. That's Rita. So, like, she's a great connection for small groups. She can point you. She knows all of them and what's going on with them. Okay? So, just talk to some of those, any of those people. Get face-to-face, and we'll get you connected. Um, Don't let life live you, right? Live life the way God created you to live it. We're constantly trading off of saying yes to certain things and saying yes to this means saying no to that, okay? The question is, will you create space? Will you prioritize and create relationships that will grow you and flourish your life and lead you to closer relationships with God and others? Will you love God and love love others or will you let the treadmill of life and its busyness um, get you into all that stuff that doesn't really last eternally? So that's the question. Don't forget class 101 is our membership class. Okay. Let's do this God's way and get involved in small groups and, and share our faith with Granger County and, and be in a community of believers that can encourage us and help us as we do that, right? As we all get in, all in together. Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you for your plan for our lives, that you, the way you've designed it. We just, we know that you know better than we do. Maybe that's where we need to start, Father, is just to admit and accept and say, um, God, I don't have all the answers. And so even where I don't see it the way you see it, God, I know you're right. And help me to see things truth. To see your truth the way it really is. And help me to understand. By your Holy Spirit, would you just open my heart and my mind to who you are and how you want things done. Father, move me maybe in a direction I've never moved before. Father, maybe for you right now, it's just you having your own prayer with God and just confessing that you want to go deeper, you want more in your spiritual life and asking Him to help you do that, to give you the courage to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and and you don't even have a relationship with God at this point. You're just like, well, I just coming because I don't, I don't, I'm trying to do better this year or whatever brought you here this morning and you just say I see God for who He is and how He wants me to walk my life and 
And so right now, best I know how, I just want to give my life to God. You just do that. You just turn from yourself and your sin and turn to God this morning. Thank Him for dying on the cross in your place for your sin that you could have real life, eternal life with Him. Father, may we just be a church that helps and encourages, that does the 59 one another's well, that we, even the ones that, that cause us to have to have some discomfort that help us grow, help us to embrace that. So Father, thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. We look forward to this year and what you're going to accomplish. Bless our small groups. In Jesus' name, amen.